for the past two years, I've had to make a really difficult decision as a mother of multiple children. I once heard of a woman who had five kids and she used to tell her sons, when you are caring for one child, you will no matter what neglect the other. No matter how much of a good mom you may try to be, how much you may try to divide yourself in however many parts of children you have, right? Let's say you have three kids and you try to divide yourself in three parts, you'll never be able to do it. You won't. You're not a pizza. Not everybody gets a piece. That's not how it works. It's either you spend family time, it's either you're together, or you're not together, and you're going to have a difficult time giving each child what it is they need at the same time. But no matter what, I don't want you to see it in the sense that you are neglecting the other child. I want you to see it in the sense that you are mom. And in order to keep the family unit going and properly moving, you have to meet the need that is greater first. Before you can meet any other need, you have to meet the need that is greater first. For example, I had my 13-year-old. She's been suicidal for the past four years. And it started with some of the some of the content she was watching and the things she was consuming. And then she became suicidal on top of the issues that she was dealing with. It was a, a teaching. It was a mental state of mind that she got into. And after the first hospitalization, it really tainted her where that's how she decided to deal with her problems she decided to deal with her emotional problems and disturbances through self-harm and it got so bad to a point where we were dealing with hundreds of stitches And that's when things went haywire. And I would say, for me, knowing that I could have just gone down 
to Florida from New York, moved back down to Florida, uh, got in another job, um, and just moved the girls back down there and just do it that way. I knew, I knew that I would have been able to just get my son with no problem because in the state of Florida, it is law that a mother has full custody of a child if that child was born out of wedlock. Now, my son was born out of wedlock. What does that mean for me? That I have full custody of my son. Should I go down to Florida and tell the judge what was happening? See, for me to have gotten vertigo and had to have come up to New York at the time that I left my son with his father, I did what was best for my son because I couldn't bend over. If I would have bent over, I could have fallen. I had absolutely no balance and I couldn't bear sense. The minute that I smell anything strong, I wanted to throw up. I couldn't, I had no balance. And so this is the problem, is coming up to New York and his father telling me, no, I'm not going to give him back to you. He's not going to New York. I'm going to be the primary parent. He didn't decide this with the court. No DCF or CPS worker said, I find this parent unfit to be a parent and the father needs to take over or this child is doomed. No one said that. No legal authority said that. The only legal authority standing in the state of Florida to state that where the child should go was the standing law. And that's the fact that I had this child out of wedlock and I was the child's legal and physical parent. Now, I never told his father that he couldn't see him. I never told his father that I didn't want him in his life. Uh, Quite the contrary, I never said any of that. And I never wanted any of the two. I was ready to settle for 50-50. His father was not. And I believe that God had something else in mind for my son. I believe that God had, would have me have full legal and physical custody of my son. I believe that since day one. Since day one, when, he, when I had a plane ticket to go down to Florida, to go pick up my son and two days before um, my flight, his father calls me and tells me that he's not returning him to me. Now, here's the thing, right? Because we have to understand, right? 
that everything bad happens for a good. Everything bad. <laughs> and the bad is going to hurt. The bad will hurt. And you have to be ready. You have to prepare yourself because it's going to hurt. This was not supposed to be no cakewalk. It's going to rejection hurts. Abandonment hurts. Now, how are we going to work these things out? There's a workaround. There's always a workaround. So now, for my son, me getting legal custody back, it was going to take years. But for me to stand my ground, stay in New York, and pursue my daughter's wholeness, that was priority. Because what were the odds? Okay, so I pack up, I leave to Florida, and then what? And then what? What's next for me in Florida? Oh, sure, let me just get a... um an online job. If I get an online job, I'll be fine, right? I'll be fine. Get an online job, go down to Florida. I'll be fine. What about my daughter? What about my daughter? Because as long as your kids are alive, you can fix whatever. When they're dead, it's, it's over. So if I move down and I make the fleeting response to my fear, and I decide to run down to Florida, grab my son, and then I take my daughter to broken laws, to a broken system, to no health advantage, no mental health advantage, because the thing about New York and the reason why she's been able to get so much medical attention and so much medical help and within one hospitalization my child had an IEP my daughter was hospitalized over 25 times in Florida that means she had to have had more than 25 suicide attempts in Florida and the school board still did not jump into action for my child and give her a simple IEP. Nothing. Nothing was done. Not the school, then the law. The law in Florida for mental health for children is if they are hospitalized five to seven days, then after five to seven days, the hospital would have lost jurisdiction and the child needed to be discharged. And for six months, we played a weekly hospitalization game for six months. 
It was weekly. That child wanted to die. She wanted to die. One day I said to her, uh, she, I said, if you want to do anything, let me know. Whatever you want to do, let me know. But let me call the hospital. Let me call the police and seek help for you. Don't act on anything. Let me help you. And because I leveled with my daughter in that way, and she saw that I wasn't the enemy, she listened. And she knew, she knew I was on her side. And she said to me, okay. Then later on in the day, she said, uh, mom, I want to go to the hospital. I said, why, Zoe? I said, why? I love you so much. I want you home with me. I want nothing more than for you to be home with me. Why do you want, do I not show you enough love? Why do you want to keep going back to the hospital? And she broke down. She broke down. Started crying. And she said to me, Mommy, Daddy hit me everywhere. Daddy wouldn't stop hitting me and he hit me everywhere. He hit me on my back. He hit me on my arms and my hands and the back of my neck on my head with a belt. And he was beating my child like a runaway slave because he lost control because he had no self-control. I sent her to California with him after I left him because of his lack of self-control. He says to me, no, hitting Zoe isn't the answer. She doesn't learn that way. You have to talk to her. Now, the thing about it is that at the time, I didn't realize yet that I left him because he had lack of self-control. I didn't know, I didn't identify it as that. Not yet. Because had I identified it as a lack of self-control, I would have never, ever gotten back with him. I always blamed it on anything else except the root cause of a lack of self-control. The more self-control I gained over my mind, over my emotions and my actions, is the more I started to see everyone around me and the lack of self-control in other people. The more that I started to see this is the more that I started to stay away from people who I saw had a lack of self-control. Who were those people? Those people were family members, 
people that drank a lot, drinking was number one. Oh my gosh. And don't think that people, like people that overeat, that's not such a bad lack of self-control. No, it's just as bad because when they're eating and then all of the chemicals that they're taking in from the food, it throws the body off balance just like a drug. It's just like a drug. And then that person's coming to yell at you and you don't even realize why. Or that person neglected that they've been hungry all day and then they're coming to yell at you and they don't even realize why because they don't know how to self-regulate. And so, because I still didn't know the truth, I still didn't, I still wasn't able to pinpoint what his issue was. I allowed her to go back to California after I left him. Now, when I allowed her to go back to California, it was after he said to me, you can't hit Zoe. She doesn't learn that way. You have to talk to her. I said, who is this man? And have I made an error in divorcing him? Because most of our fight was him running after tail or him being excessively abusive with my children. When I started seeing it with my little one, he couldn't blame it on my daughter's behavior anymore. He was the problem. That's when I saw it. That's when I said, oh, no. How, you, but you can't hit a two-year-old to go take a shower and hit a two-year-old to go to bed. Then I started to see it. Because the thing is, is that with someone that has a lack of self-control, they blame everyone else. And when the gaslighting starts, you don't know. It's, you know how hard it is I'm, when you're being manipulated? What is it? I don't, I don't even know at this point. Is it me? What am I doing? Maybe I am the one to blame. Maybe she is the one to blame. What is it? And all along, it was never anything else except his lack of self-control. And when I said, why? You told me that you weren't going to hit her. Man, I lost control. Okay. That's why you don't have a wife anymore, because you lost control. That's why you don't have a family anymore, because you lost control. And that is when I started seeing my daughter cut and self-harm. And it wasn't easy for her. It was very difficult for her. And what I noticed was that it was time for her to get some help. It wasn't until shortly after, because she, she'd been cutting for about six months, and shortly after, I got really sick. I mean, I got sick. I'm telling you, I got sick. So sick with vertigo. 
I was, I threw up everything in my stomach. I couldn't eat anything. And everything, all the smells around me were making me sick to my stomach. And I felt so dizzy. So dizzy. I took a trip up to Canada. By the time I came back down to Florida, oh God, I was so dizzy. I was seeing double lanes. I had to shut one eye just to make it to the BNB that I had to rent because I couldn't make it. I couldn't drive anymore. By the time I'd gotten there, I was so sick. I was throwing up everywhere. The people thought that I had COVID. They asked me to leave. They contacted Airbnb, asked me to leave. Then I tried to make it to the next BNB as close as possible to where I was. From that BNB, I had to be rushed to the hospital and I was hospitalized for about a week. When I came out, not a single soul to lean on. Not a single person to help me. To the point where sick. My aunt says to my other aunt, she just needs to get out. And her daughter said to her, how could you do that? She's sick. You can't do that. And she said, she can't stay here. Not a single soul. I have three children. And my dad, with all of his defects, (laughs) He said, come stay up with me, up here with me. Come stay up here with me and I'll help you. And he took me and my children in with all of his defense. It was a way of him trying to redeem himself. Of all the years he wasn't there. And it was hard. I think I moved back down to Florida a million times in my mind. But I couldn't go. I could not go. A million times I moved up to Florida. And I couldn't go. Every single time I had evidence of why I needed to be in New York. Every single time. And New York was the place where my daughter got the most treatment. New York was the place where my daughter got breakthrough. Not Florida. Not California. It was New York. And what I noticed was that A, she was going to be okay, and B, it was the place where I would begin everything.
where all of my dreams would come true. And you know what's really, really funny about that saying is that I literally have dreamt my entire life of what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And every single time I've tried to leave, a dream comes, like, I have the deja vu of the dream. And I'm reminded why over and over again. Every time that I feel like I am running again out of fear, I come back and I understand why I'm here. And for the first time in my life, I've been planted. And it doesn't matter what my son's father would have done. Because I knew that by the time my son was three, four years old, I would have full custody, physical and legal custody of my son. But I had to keep on working on seeking the kingdom first so the rest of these things could be added to me. I had to bring the message. I had to teach about mental health. It doesn't matter what road, what path, what formula I used to get here. My purpose in life was to teach about mental health. And I had to learn that in parenting, there will be a time if you have more than one child where you will have to give priority to where the need is higher. 